You sisters know that my skin has been glowing lately, and I'm here to tell you my secret. Oak Essentials. You've heard us talk about their line of luxurious products before, and we're so excited to have them as a sponsor of OK Sister Podcast because now you can join in on the glowy goodness. You know Oak Essentials is legit because it was created by none other than our favorite brand ever, Jenny Kane. Oak Essentials is known for its simple approach to self-care with a lineup of foundational skincare staples made with high-quality ingredients that drive results. It aims to unlock healthy, glowing skin with decadent and hydrating ingredients that give you a luxe, dewy glow. I won't shut up about the Moisture Rich Balm. It's a nutrient-rich balm that supports collagen production and delivers serious hydration for a luminous glow. And a luminous glow indeed. The way my skin feels like butter after applying this balm. This balm will make you never want to wear makeup again. And you can apply generously during your night routine to lock in moisture as you dream. It's the definition of beauty sleep. Treat yourself or someone else this season. You sisters will get 15% off and a free organic honey-based restorative mask with their first order. Oh my God, what a deal. When you use code OKSIS15 at checkout. That's right. 15% off plus a gift with your first order at O-A-K-E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L-S.com. Promo code OKSIS15, OKAYSIS15. Go ahead and treat yourself. From luxurious skincare to meaningful self care, you deserve it. Welcome to OKSIS. Okay we are two cultural observers and curious minds who happen to be related. I'm Scout. And I'm Maddie. Get ready for some serious sororal energy as we chat about and comment on one another's current fixation of the week. Ready, ready sisters? Hello, welcome back. Hi, sisters. Ooh, my voice just cracked. Yes, it did. <laughs> Ooh, sh- on the tail end you of... You uh, have been sick for way too long. Yeah, this w- this just won't be beat. Also, I've been taking Sudafed like it's candy. Oh, and my God. I really don't think it's like you're supposed to have as much as I have. No, I think yeah. you should pump the brakes on that a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'm Scout, for those that are new. I'm Maddie. And we are the sisters behind OK Says Podcast. Welcome, ladies. Welcome. Um, we are currently in Indian Wells, California. Yes, we are at the most Instagrammable oh my hotel, God. I think. We're at the Sands Hotel. It is the interior designer is the same interior designer as the Kardashians. Which, like, hello. Hello. It is, like, pink and green and beautiful. I like to think that it's a cheaper, smaller Parker. Yeah, totally. 100%. You know I mean? Yeah. It has that vibe about it. It has that vibe about it. It's and much we, more intimate. We were here for a wedding. One of my best friends got married last night, and we tore it up on the dance floor. I don't know if you follow us on Instagram, but if you do, at OKSIS Podcast, uh, you might have seen some killer dance moves last night. What yeah, do you think, we Matt? Were, we were going nuts. We were like, my, we were like headbanging. We were like. We were out of control. No, we were like, out of control. I had to hold people. my dress because my boobs were falling out. Oh, my God. There people, goes that cough. People did not know what to think of us. No. It was wild. We'll put it on our highlights. So, like, when you're feeling sad, you could just kind of skip over also, there. Also, our highlights are bomb. Our highlights are so silly. They're so funny. so funny. So, yeah. I, if, I, if I do say so myself. If you don't follow us on Instagram, get on it. There's some premium content up in there. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so anyways, we're here in the desert. We're leaving today, but we needed to get a little podcast action in. Mm, of course. Always. Um, Always and forever. Should we do current fixations? Yes. Okay, I'll start. 
So mine is called Sun Potion Transformational Foods Organic Lion's Mane. It is a mind. Lion's Mane, yes. Yes. It's a mind power mushroom dietary supplement. Mm -hmm. I have been putting it in my coffee every single morning, and here Mm -hmm. is what it does. This mushroom may support memory, mental clarity, enhanced concentration, nervous system, athletic recovery, and balanced mood. Well, you definitely don't need the athletic recovery, but look at you with the adaptogens. Yeah. So I bought this primarily for the balanced mood, which we will get into today um i uh that's the main reason i bought this one and i've been using it every morning and loving it it's such a nice ritual too to like put it in your coffee in the morning Totes. um do you see any difference yeah i've been okay so is it all placebo effect no because i see i've been employing a certain amount of tool tools in the last two weeks i've been doing like a test run and seeing which tools like really help me mm-hmm. with my bipolar disorder and um i can say that this one has been a, a very positive feedback good i need to try ashwagandha oh yeah that, that's my next one i want yeah, like yeah, yeah. all of these dietary supplements i just want my kitchen to be filled with dietary yeah, supplements i'm like a big like i will try anything and everything and who knows if it's working but it feels good. Yeah, as long you as know? it feels good. Literally, my hair has been the longest it's ever been in my life. and Because you're taking collagen. <laughs> and I told your husband, it's because I'm taking collagen. And he was like, that doesn't do anything. And I was like, well, it's the longest it's ever been. And I'm attributing it to collagen. So yeah, <laughs> whatever. Whatever. Yeah, no, whatever. As long as it works, sort of. <laughs> yeah. Like, who cares? Yeah. Um. Anyways. So, oh, my current fixation. Yes, please. Okay, so... We covered it a little bit on the previous podcast, but I didn't actually make it my current fixation. Game of Thrones. Dun 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 dun. Dun 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 dun. No, how do you? Okay, so I'm trying to catch up, but like I just am not into watching TV lately weird like i'm not into it like i'd rather read or like meditate or do something else oh i just i love watching tv okay so game of thrones i'm sure 90 percent of the listeners are got stands but um and just to give you a little background if you're new i didn't watch game of thrones i tried watching the pilot maybe five times and yeah, i was like this same. is the worst show i don't understand why are people obsessed with it like this makes no sense and two weeks before the season eight premiere, I got a lot of FOMO and I was like, you know what? I'm always, you know, up to date on the pop culture. I am here. I'm all, that's why I like, I get so much FOMO with real housewives and all Bravo TV. Cause I don't watch housewives. I never know what's going on. And I get so much FOMO. So I was like, not today. As in the words of Arya Stark, not today. Night King, not today. Okay. Okay. There. Sorry, I can't breathe. Um, so I took it upon myself to binge watch all seven seasons of Game of Thrones in two weeks. And people said it couldn't be done. People said that I was crazy. People said that I wouldn't be able to do it. And I fucking did it. Oh, my God. You are insane. I don't know if this is something you should be bragging about. I I, I am going to brag till I die. Like, I think I need to submit it to the Guinness Book of World Records because it is truly that is a like that is an accomplishment. I think the biggest part about it was there was just so much content. Like it's so much to yeah. to, to um uh, process process and uh, digest. <coughs> wow, sorry wow, for that. Yeah, like really. Sorry, today. sorry, sorry. Um. Anyways, but it is just 
it didn't take me it took me until the end of season two to really be like okay i got it okay i okay. see i see why people i'm in the middle obsessed. of season one because and i'm moving you're not slowly gonna, i literally didn't understand what was happening all of season one and two i didn't know who anyone was it was so hard to follow oh i'm following it pretty well no i had to have mom with me because she had watched it previously and she was telling me like answering all my questions but um yeah i i and now that i'm watching like season eight live with everyone i'm so happy i did it because every uber that we get in people are like do you watch game of thrones and we just tear apart every episode and everyone's freaking out and so many podcasts everyone should watch binge mode by the ringer they do like a little um it's like a funny recap of what happened every sunday um and i'm just so i'm so obsessed and i'm so like in it i feel so you know i feel so included okay well i'm not included i have no more fomo and it feels great i have a little bit of fomo i'm trying to i'm trying to anyone yeah guys jump on the got wagon i mean it's ethereal it's mystical it's sexy it is it is very sexy very sexy very gory Mm -hmm. like you don't really need to watch porn or play video games that have gore in it Okay, well, that's a big statement. Yeah. Um, okay, should we do the word of the week? Yes. Okay, the word of the week is organon, and it means an instrument of thought or knowledge. And Ooh. it's a noun. I thought that was a pretty one, huh? Love it. An instrument of thought or knowledge. An organon. instrument. Organon. So, like, a book is an organon. Ooh, yes. A poem is an organon. A podcast is an organon. Ooh. And so, just like any form of media? But yeah, that's like like um, thought provoking, thought provoking or knowledge. I mean, that's inducing. Us. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we're so. I think we're knowledge inducing. I hope so. Yeah, that's that's one of the pillars of OKSS. Knowledge inducement. Knowledge inducement and, du- <laughs> and silliness and, and laughs. Wait, inducement or induction? Or oh, what's I don't the word? Know. Yeah, wait. we don't know. This is us all the time. Yes. We don't know anything. <laughs> Ever since having a baby, I've been extremely conscious about what I spend my money on and which products I use. And clothing is no different. I want my wardrobe to be sustainable, good quality, and timeless. You have to be talking about Whimsy and Roe, right? Whimsy and Roe is an LA-grown, eco-conscious brand born out of the love for cute, comfy, and classic styles. Every piece is made by women for women. Quality goods, local production, natural and organic fabrics. Yes, please give me all the linens. Just like OK Sister, Whimsy and Row is based on the idea that women are multidimensional. There's a balance of flirty feminine and minimal masculine in all of our wardrobes, and Whimsy and Row means exactly that. From special occasions to everyday effortless styles, their clothing is meant to mix and match and wear on repeat. I have been wearing their Kira pant in black linen probably three times a week. Sisters, if you've been listening to this podcast or following me on Instagram, you know that Whimsy and Rose Kira Pant in Black Linen is a sisterhood staple at this point. Founder Rachel Temko created the brand back in 2014 because she wanted to create an approachable and inclusive brand that cared for the people and the planet first. Get the full Whimsy experience IRL at their Venice location or shop online at whimsyandrow.com. Their store in Venice is so cute. I can attest. And if you're in LA, I highly recommend stopping by. They are always putting on these amazing community events. They just launched their spring summer collection and we will be living in it all summer long. Visit their website, whimsyandrow.com. That's W-H-I-M-S-Y-A-N-D-R-O-W.com and use code OKSISTER for 15% off. 
Sisters, my goal these days is to always look put together when I leave the house. Nothing over the top or super dressed up or anything like that. I just want to look put together and feel good about what I'm wearing in an effortless yet refined way. When I look at my closet every single morning and think about what I can wear that is chic and intentional, I usually end up grabbing one of my Jenny Kane sweaters and I always end up loving the way I look and the way I feel in them. You all know, sisters, that when I envision my highest self, I am wearing Jenny Kane. Their sweaters are the quintessential must-have item. I cannot stop wearing my Marina set. I throw it on and immediately feel like I'm in a Nancy Myers movie, like I could just walk on the beach in Santa Barbara. It is the coastal grandma aesthetic. My favorite Jenny Kane sweater right now is their everyday sweater in taupe. This is the definition of a staple that every woman must have in their wardrobe. Sisters, trust me on this one. I wear it with leggings, oversized jeans, and a little kitten heel or a silk maxi skirt. Legit, Mads and I are so obsessed with wearing our Johnny Kane sweaters that we've literally shown up both wearing the same sweater once. The white alpaca cocoon crew neck, which is this deliciously oversized sweater. Yeah, that moment takes the cake. Both of us walking in with our matching Jenny Kane sweaters. We're obsessed. Can't take them off. Wearing them every day. The type of staples that save your outfit. That is what I love about their entire collection. It is truly the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless designs. So you can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code OKSIS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code OKSIS. O-K-A-Y-S-I-S. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Um, okay, should we get into this week's Fix Me Up? Yes, ma'am. Happy, uh, hey, Scout. Yeah? Happy Mental Health Awareness Month! Thank you. It is May. It is one of my favorite months because... It's gonna be May. Yes, because Mental Health Awareness Month is in full swing and people are celebrating it all over the world. How do people celebrate it? Um, they've just been like more mindful, placing self-care first. There's a lot of Instagram awareness posts going on. I feel like I feel like self-care first has been like the theme of 2019. Yeah. Though. So if, for those that are new and don't know, because if you listen to OKSIS, you definitely know this by now. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was 20 years old, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder type 2 and general anxiety disorder. And I had my first depressive episode when I was 14 years old. Um, so mental health has been something that is very near and dear to my heart. It is, um, the kind of the path that I've been forced to walk down and to take, um, kind of, uh, a courageous step towards. So, um, I'm really excited about this episode. Yay. Should I give a little context? Sure. And then you can ask me some questions. Totally. Okay. So I'll run through the kind of like bullet points of my mental health journey. Um, When I was 14 years old, I had my first depressive episode and I started cutting myself. I started restricting food as a form of control. I wore like sweatpants every day to school. I looked like a fucking mess. Uh, The school found out that I was cutting myself and they told my parents and then my parents immediately put me into therapy. So I've been in therapy since I was 14 years old, which I accredit to kind of like my self-awareness and my ability to work through things. Um, I went up and down a lot in high school and um, I remember like some nights not knowing if I was going to be able to make it to class the next day or make it to school the next day. I took a lot of mental health days. Um, 
And then when I went to college, um, when I was 18 years old, I moved up to Berkeley and I went to Berkeley City College. And that's when I started um, developing signs of paranoia. So I thought that men were following me home. I thought they were under my bed. I thought they were on my balcony. I thought they were in my closet. And that's the first time I started really losing touch with reality and developing a sense of psychosis. And I was so depressed there. I remember calling my dad just bawling and we didn't know if it was just like growing pains. Like, is it just because you left the house and you're in college and it's a transition or is this like a diagnosable situation that's like actually serious? And I think that when I look back to that time in my life, um, the psychosis was so intense that I literally would wake up in like head to toe fear and not move a finger because I was convinced there was a man waiting to like rape and kill me. And so that was really intense. And um, I transferred to Sarah Lawrence College in New York for my sophomore year. And I had a beautiful year. I met friends that really understood me and I had so much fun. But then towards the end of the year, my depression started creeping back up again. And I had a panic attack over the summer because I was supposed to be there for an internship. And I went home immediately. And um, that's when I started, um, uh, what's the word, experimenting with psychiatric medications. So they put me on Prozac and that made me manic for a week. So I had to go up that So it was just kind of like a pick and choose game of which one was going to work. And then I went back to Sarah Lawrence for my junior year and I went to my therapist and the word bipolar had been kind of been thrown around for a few months by my psychiatrists and my therapist back at home in San Diego. Um, But when I went back to my therapist in New York, she said, um, I've spoken with your therapist back at home and we've come to the conclusion that you're manic depressive. And I remember not even knowing what manic depressive meant. And so I went home, I Googled it and manic depressive means bipolar disorder. And this was at a time like today, the word bipolar disorder is not thrown around a lot, but it's a lot more common and it's a lot more spoken about. But back then when I was 20, like bipolar disorder was one of the scariest diagnoses you can get. Like it shook me to my core. I remember just heaving and bawling in my apartment to my friends my dad got me on the next flight home and I never returned back to New York I um, stayed in San Diego I went through my first outpatient program which an outpatient program is just five hours daily of group therapy and um, lecture series I went through my first outpatient program and then that summer I was having suicidal ideation and my therapist told me to go into the ER to um, get a site an emergency psychiatric evaluation and they ended up 5150ing me, which is when they place you on a legal hold and lock you up essentially in um, a hospital. And my sister's graduation was the next day and I like couldn't live with myself if I missed it. So um, I remember calling you mads from the hospital crying, telling you I was in the hospital and you like not really understanding what was going on. And I this was my high school graduation. Yes, yeah, was your high school graduation. And then I sweet talked to the psychiatrist and he let me out early. So I made it to your graduation. Um, since then, um, it's been a really big upheaval. I've dealt with catatonia, which is when I lose motor function ability and I become paralyzed for anywhere from 10 minutes to four hours. Um, at first when this started happening, we didn't know what it was. We thought it was a neurological disease. I was in the ER a lot. Um, but it turns out it's catatonia, which, um, people with bipolar can experience. 
Um, psychosis has come back pretty intensely. I hear voices in my head that tell me to kill myself on a regular basis. And, um, but I have been a lot stronger now than I've ever been. And I accredit that to my husband, which we can get into. We can unpack a little bit more, but he's the one that really showed me the road to recovery and showed me what it looks like to fight for your mental health. And so I have been doing that, um, consistently ever since I am currently on medication, but I employ a lot of holistic tools like cupping, essential oils, my mushroom powder, meditation, crystals, yoga, um, meditation classes, spiritual classes, acupuncture, um, Reiki. So we can get into all that. But that's kind of like a very quick, fast trajectory towards <laughs> my mental health journey. A little a little box with a little bow on it. A little bow on it. <laughs> um, yeah, I think... I think my experience relationship to your disease. Well, I actually want to, I want to specifically ask you because um, I can imagine growing up that, especially since you were younger than me, Mm -hmm. that a lot of the things that I was going through was potentially confusing and scary and potentially like all the attention was on me and that might've like taken away from you when we were growing up. So I would love to hear, cause you and I have never really talked about this, but I would love to hear how you saw this entire situation from your perspective. Yeah. So growing up, I didn't think, and I think, I think there's a big misconception. A lot of people um, are mistaken about this, that depression is a disease. I thought it was a mental state. I thought it was a form of weakness um, just because I've never, thankfully, had to ex- deal with depression and, and I don't really experience anxiety the way the way you do. Um, so I just grew up thought thinking that you were not faking it but there was an extent where it wasn't real like I I would I would just kind of brush it off and be like well suck it up like everyone has to deal with stress and and struggles like just figure it out and you know be stronger that was like my which is completely wrong but that was how I that was my mind my mindset growing up in relationship to it so that's why I distanced myself away because I just couldn't understand I didn't understand why why life was was so hard for you because we grew up in the same way right we had this we had very privileged upbringing and I was so confused how you could be so unhappy with the way the world was but that but quickly I began to realize and I remember specifically it was a car ride where you had come home from Sarah Lawrence and you said to me you know, it, it really makes me feel bad when you discredit my my disease. You know, depression is a disease. It's not something I choose. It's not a lifestyle I choose or a mindset I choose. It is something that happens to me innately. And that was the first time I really recognized it as something that is external from you and something that is without, with, not within your control. Um, and yeah. I did think that my mental health was subordinate to yours. Yeah. Definitely growing up, especially in, in the eyes of our parents. Um, I definitely felt neglected in that sphere. But I also felt like I didn't need to pay attention to my mental health because it wasn't as um, powerful and as important as yours. Um, so it was kind of that's where I, I developed such a strong and I think confident and um, uh, always looking, you know, I was 
I was always the opposite of you. Like you were, you know, in this depression and, and, and having to struggle with it. And I was always the happy, lively child. And I, and now going to therapy, I started going to therapy about seven months ago. I've begun to realize that I live in that space where everything has to be positive. Everything has to be happy. And that's kind of the, the effects that have drawn out for me. And that's actually not what I've begun to realize. It's not a sustainable way to live. Everything is not supposed to be happy all the time. Mm -hmm. And I've, I am realizing that I, when things go wrong, I break down so much more than I should and things build up and then it crashes. I have very specific like moments of, of tantrums and breakdowns. Um, and that's because my whole life I thought I had to be the person that's the positive one. That's the one that's uplifting everyone. The one that's carrying everyone together and bringing smiles and being happy. But that actually doesn't serve me completely. I'm so happy you got into therapy because I've been telling mom that I've been wanting you to get into therapy for years just because there are things that I think everyone, everyone, everyone has, needs, everyone should go to therapy. I don't care if you're, and I thought this too, when, before I went to therapy, I was like, I don't need therapy. I'm happy. I'm fine. Like therapy is for people who like just are weak and don't know how to like deal with their emotions. No, every single person has skeletons in their closet. You need to deal with them because it's going to creep up on you. Yeah. It is. Go- it is just inevitably it's going to creep up on you. So you might as well just deal with it now. And so much is being uncovered that I just I would have never thought about yeah. if it weren't for therapy. Just the way we were raised, things that happened in our childhood. And yeah, my my relationship to your depression, my our, my relationship to mom's MS, like all of these different uh, the, our, the divorce, like all of these players happened in my childhood that mm-hmm. I never talked to anyone about. Yeah. Which yeah. you need to talk to people about. Totally. Was there ever a moment when you felt really scared for me? Yes. Um, I, I can't really pinpoint a specific moment. I think I've been a bit detached from it all just as a security thing, which I've begun realizing is not you know, is, is not helpful to you, to me. It's not, you know, a way I should be, but that's just the reality. I've been very detached probably because I'm scared. You know, I obviously want you and mom to be so healthy and happy and, and, and fulfilled. And when things happen to you guys and I can't, and I feel very helpless, like, you know, I, I kind of break down and remove myself because I don't want to deal with that, you know? Yeah. Again, it goes back to that that um, stature and that that um, way of being. I'm always in a like. I want to be positive. I want to be happy. I want to be okay and perfect all the time. I don't want to feel any negative emotion. Yeah. And it's and dealing with you guys and your disease is a negative emotion. So yeah. I usually re- retract myself. But I think the biggest, the most prevalent time was um I was working at this startup and um one of the employees committed suicide and I had just started working there and it was I mean a surreal experience like I had seen him the week before yeah and he he had just committed suicide in the middle of the work day and 
I remember texting you because I I hadn't been so close to to it. I guess. I mean, I've been close to it with you, but like, literally, I'd seen the guy, and then and then he was gone. And um, I remember texting you and being like, because all the employees were saying, "Why didn't he tell someone? Why didn't he tell me?" I was literally sitting next to him when he walked out to go kill himself, and like, why we we would have helped like if and and who else around us is feeling this way and not speaking up. So I remember texting you and saying, you need to tell anyone and everyone when you have these types of thoughts. Cause like, there's just no point to, to do this to the world and to do this to pe- people you love. I think you came back with a really good response where you, you said, I have, a lot of resources at my disposal. I know the protocol when things like this happen. Um, It's happened before and I know how to deal with it. I never let myself get to that point and things like that, which was really reassuring. But it's it's just so interesting because I just don't, I can't even imagine feeling that. I can't even imagine being so unhappy that it, that it comes to those types of thoughts and then to action and it comes to an actionable like step towards it. It's, it's well, wild. when you, when you hear voices in your head that tell you to kill yourself or that you're the ugliest piece of shit this world has ever seen. <laughs> okay. That's well, happened to me. You can just like karate chop those people. You can Arya Stark those people. Oh my God. Stop it. Oh my God. Well, it's hard. It's hard <laughs> when mean, you, when course. you, when you hear external things telling you to do something to yourself. But, um, Suicide, I just want to say to anybody listening to right now, if they're struggling with this, um, suicide is never an option. No matter how close you get, no matter how hopeless you feel, no matter how down you are, suicide is never an option. Yeah. Reach out to me. Like, if you're listening to this right now. Reach out to anyone. Shoot me a DM. I will talk to you. I will call you. I will do whatever in my power it takes to get you back on balance. I'm not kidding. If there is a sister out here listening to this who's dealing with this stuff, please get in contact with me. I will help you 100%. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you have any questions for me? Um, No. I don't know. I don't think so. I just more so, like I guess just, I mean, we went through the resources that you... Well, I want to talk a little bit more about that because... Yeah, what you um, do to kind of get out yeah. of those episodes. Um, because my husband is very recovery-based, and he never likes it when people tell their story, but then they don't provide actionable items at the end. Right. So um, I'm always very focused on actionable items. So here are a few tools that help me, and I'll talk about how they help me. Um, journaling is a great form of expression. It just kind of removes the thoughts in your brains and puts them into an external object. I think um, if you're not journaling, get a journal, start journaling every day, just get it out of your system. Um, of course, therapy. I go once a week. I've been going once a week for mine since I was 14. Um, therapy is a huge helpful tool, but make sure you find a therapist that doesn't just listen to you, but like whips you into shape. So like, I'm like afraid sometimes when I go to my therapist because she's such a badass and she'll like put like set me straight really fast. I've been to therapy where they just sort of like indulge in you and then it just keeps you there and they just like listen to you. Like find a therapist that is goal oriented, action oriented, and it's going to help you take those steps to get better. Um, 
a few holistic approaches that I use is I meditate every night. I'm only up to 10 minutes. I'm trying to get to 20, but meditation, I know it can be really hard in the beginning and you can feel like it's pointless and useless and not working, but just keep with it. Dedicate yourself to a daily meditation practice and eventually you will feel the effects and they will be so great and powerful and beautiful that you'll want to continue meditating as long as you can. Um, I use essential oils now. Um, I use the wild, I use doTERRA brand. I use wild orange in the morning. I use balance blend during the day. Um, I use lavender at night and I use patchouli oil in my moisturizer morning and night. And those are just like a little ritualistic pick me up throughout the day. Like it just infuses me with different feelings. It helps me be grounded. It kind of just like, um, it's like a, a metric that keeps going throughout the day. So essential oils are super helpful. Um, Get yourself into cupping and acupuncture. Um, cupping and acupuncture are ancient med- medicinal treatments, um, and they improve stagnation and detoxifying tremendously. Uh, I go for cupping and acupuncture once a month, once to twice a month, um, and it just helps detoxify, and it also kind of like brings me back to a moment of where I can just be with myself and relax and kind of like detach from the world. Um, I use my mushroom powder coffee in the morning to balance my moods. The, uh, next week, I'm going to be getting into flower essences and um, herbal supplements uh, with the help of Saffron and Sage, which if you are in San Diego, go to Saffron and Sage. They are the pillar of my um, holistic healing. Uh, they are a, an alternative healing center. They are amazing. I'm going for breath work on Sunday night at 6 p.m. Um So those are a few things that I use. I also uh, replace negative thoughts with positive thoughts. So a lot of positive affirmations like I'm confident, I'm fulfilled, I am loved, I am joy. I kind of repeat those to myself over and over and over again, especially right before I go to bed. It helps me just kind of like take those negative thoughts and put them out. And then I also reach out. Like when I'm not feeling well, I have an amazing support system. My father is fucking incredible when it comes to me and my mental illness he's been there for me 100 percent. mom my mom is always there to listen to me cry and my husband is is the reason I continue on um I continue on for him so if you are feeling suicidal or depressed or anxious just reach out to someone talk to someone get it out of your system um I think reaching out helps you be held accountable as well um so those are just some of the tools that I use yeah yeah, mental stability and is a lot of work. Like it it really I think and I think that's why there's been such a resurgence these past 2 years um and a refocusing on mental health and um illuminating of it. Well, cuz like I have to work at this yeah, it's, every day. It is I can't let really one work. day go by where I don't work on my mental health. Yeah. And like if you're struggling, you need to come to a place of acceptance that you're gonna have to work at right. it. Right. And depression is the majority these days. It is something that so many people suffer from and it and just know that it's it's work. Like it it is hard. It is hard. So don't feel discouraged when you know, it seems daunting, but just whatever works for you, whatever makes you feel a little bit lighter and more uplifted, like just, just and take do it. ownership of it. Like, yeah, it took me a long time. I would quit everything I started. I quit at internships, jobs, mm-hmm. school, everything I started, I would quit because I couldn't function until my husband looked at me and said, look, I don't care if you're depressed. I care if you're depressed and hopeless, mm-hmm. but if you're depressed and hopeful, I'm okay with it. 
And it, it was like this light bulb went off in my head. And I was like, what if I just infused myself with a little bit of hope? What would my bipolar look like then? And right. that's when things started turning around for me. And that's when I started going to support groups. I did the 12 steps. I got a sponsor. I started really working hard in therapy. I started employing all these holistic tools. So you really have to take a place of ownership when it comes to your mental illness. And you need to employ as many tools as possible. Totally. Okay. One last kind of area of topic I want to dig into is how to help someone with depression. Mm -hmm. So the other side of it, um, because I know that our parents and myself and your husband have to you know know how to handle and react and support you um so and i the cut actually has a really good article called how to help someone with depression which i encourage everyone to read if you are you know if you have someone very close to you that is suffering from this disease um and i want to get your take on like what you think people should do on the other end as well but i think something the biggest takeaway i got from this article is you you have to also keep your own well-being and mental awareness and health in mind when dealing with someone with depression as well. I think I've fallen victim to this whenever you text me that you're experiencing catatonia. Catatonia. Catatonia, catatonia. <laughs> which I've had in a meeting before, which was so bad. No, no, not catatonia. The the voices, psychosis, psychosis. And you've texted me. You know, I feel a bit helpless. I'm not really sure how to respond, and I don't know what can be helpful, what to say, because it's not. There's no real rule book for someone on the other end who's trying to be supportive. Um, and I don't want to like make this about me, but I'm just saying it, it is it is a side that I, I think people don't talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, and it will, it will fluctuate from person to person, what helps them best within their support system. But um, I think, I think for me to be completely transparent when thought, and again, it goes back to this disposition that I have of always wanting to be in a positive and happy place is when you text me these things, you know, it's, it's depressing. It's sad. So it's like, I don't want to deal with it because I don't want to be sad in that moment. So, but that's something that's completely my issue. And that's something I need to, um, get past as uh, obviously, but, um, yeah, it's, you do need to think about your own well being as well. If it gets, if, if it gets to a point where you're also feeling depressed as a result of trying to help this person, like you also need to keep in check with your own your own um, mental stability but um, I thought this was really interesting they said they have a list of things not to say and of things to say so let me know if this kind of resonates with you so do not say to someone who is depressed you have so much going for you just know that I care about you come on stop being so down wouldn't you feel better if you didn't drink so much or sleep all day and then do say it makes sense to me that you're just feeling you're just not you're just really not feeling like yourself. You feel really miserable right now, but you have to remember it will get better. I know that. I can promise you that. What do you think of those statements? Um, can you read the not statement? Because there was one on the not statement that I think is fine for me. The just know that I care about you? Yeah. That's, yeah, I don't know why that's That's on. like totally fine. Um, For me, what really helps is when people say, I'm so sorry, that must be really hard. And so they acknowledge where I'm at. They say, sure. that really sucks. And I'm very sorry. 
what can you do right now to alleviate the pain? Yeah. Because sometimes when you're really stuck in the pain, you don't think about action items and you don't think about your tools. You like forget all of it. Mm -hmm. So if someone can be like, what can you employ right now? How can I help you? What can I do to alleviate this pain? What can you do to alleviate this pain? Mm -hmm. Can you meditate? Can you grab your essential oils? You know what I mean? Because when you're in the thick of it, you don't think about using your tools. Right. Yeah. I think you have to be uh, uh, reminded. And I think, and I mean, these sayings also can be employed, uh, deployed for people, not just with depression. Like anytime I feel anxiety or down, like, yeah, I don't want to hear someone saying like, okay, stop being so down or like get over it or believe me if it was that fucking easy yeah it's just like oh thanks like oh get over it okay fine i feel so much better it's like (coughs) like saying calm down i fucking hate when people say that to me you know what another thing i don't like and i don't know if if you feel this but when i am going through an issue i hate when people say yeah this is similar to the time that i went through this and and then they go through what what and I, I understand they're trying to relate to me and and maybe parallel the experiences so that they can give me the advice that they got through it with. But for some reason, it bothers me so much. In that moment, I don't want to hear about your problem. I want you to talk to me about my problem and tell me how to fix my problem. Yeah, no, I hear you. Do you hear? Does that make sense? Sometimes that happens to me. It depends. Yeah, they're like, oh, I totally know how you feel. When I was depressed, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't want to hear about you. Yeah. This is me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, okay. sometimes you have to be a little selfish. Yeah. It's like I'm coming to you for advice to help me. Yeah. I don't want to help you. <laughs> oh, my God. You're so funny. I know. No, but I just that, for some reason that really bothers me. Well, I, that comes out of a, uh, uh, <coughs> an intention. I mean, they're they're rightfully intended, but it's just. Well, that's a really good example of how um, responses are so specific to the individual. And right. you really need mm-hmm. to learn like. My husband, it took him, I mean, it didn't take him a while, but it took a lot of trial and error to figure out ways ha- to respond. Ways to respond. Yeah. And, and and now we're working towards him taking care of himself when I'm not feeling well. Because, right, right, because right. Because he can get really overpowered and feel pretty helpless when it comes to my disease, as everybody feels when I'm not doing well. And the last thing I want is for my friends and family to suffer because of me. Right. Um, I don't want that for them. Like, mm-hmm. I need them as support, but I don't want them to go into a rabbit hole because of me. Totally. Yeah. So I think the moral of the story is everyone... I think I think the biggest takeaways are take ownership of your mental illness yes. if you have one. Yes. I think that's really powerful. Um do do little I think little things yes. are really important to alleviate the pains. I think sometimes we can think that it's going to be big big sweeping like things. Like essential oils is so little but it just helps me so every day. So little those little ritual ritualistic things and you know how much we are big on routines and rituals yeah. over here. So yeah. I think I think we need to think in a more ma- micro lens mm-hmm. on ways to alleviate that pain. Um, and then I think for someone on the other end of, of a mental illness, the support system, um, keep yourself in check and do what's best for you mm-hmm. um, because that person needs you to be your full, healthy, abled body self in order to support them. So you have to also take care of yourself mm-hmm. before kind of jumping into the, that role. Um, also reach mm-hmm. out if you mm-hmm. are feeling suicidal or heavily depressed, call a friend, call family, 
DM me. Get yourself into therapy. Yes, yeah. go to therapy. Everyone needs to go to therapy. It should be a prerequisite for life. Mm-hmm. It is just mind-blowing how much shit that you don't bury. realize. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. It's wild. Uh, Anyways, this wow. was great. Happy Mental Health Awareness Month. You guys, go out. Meditate. Live get a little massage. Life. Oh, my God. <laughs> I might go get a massage today. In honor of mental health, even though I get a massage every Oh, my God. Every you're ridiculous. <laughs> you are just a sick little wow. puppy. Okay. I think I will we've not been subject talk- you to my coughing anymore. We've been talking for way too long. Yes. All right. Well, we love you, sister. Oh, also, oh, sisters, sorry. if you really love OK Sis and you love listening to us, it would help us so much if you would subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. This helps us bring you all of this content for free every week. And we would as, as book. Yeah, it would just really help us. And we really appreciate you guys. And thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you. Bye. Hey there, I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. If there's one thing I know from both my personal and clinical experience, it's that we are really good at comparing ourselves to others. We tend to get stuck in the unhelpful narratives that play on repeat in our minds, and we struggle to set boundaries and create healthy love. Each week, I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife, mother, and business owner to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life tune in every thursday to i'm not your shrink wherever you listen to podcasts while i'm not your shrink i am still human and i'm excited for us to be in our vulnerability and humanness together 